Hey, welcome to church. Give God a shout of praise if you're happy to be in his house. Come on. Hey, I'm, uh, I got a word for you this morning. I believe God wanted me to deliver something to you. And uh, uh, I know that at times when we gather together at church, you're like, there's varying moods of which you can find yourself in. And sometimes our mood determines what we receive. Um, can I just tell you, when you come to the house of God, can you have the expectation when you come into his house that he desires to give you something? Um, come hungry. Come hungry to God's house. Um, if someone invites you somewhere and they say, hey, we're preparing a meal for you. Um, you don't eat before you arrive. You come hungry. The same should be true to the house of God. You should come hungry expecting that God's going to speak to you. Somebody say amen. Listen, I'm going to preach a lot better if you respond to me today. But nevertheless, I'm going to preach it like I'm preaching it to someone who wants to receive something from God. Listen, we're in this upside down kingdom conversation and and God's messing with me, which is good because it produces movement, not just ordinary movement, but faith movement. And um, I want to talk to you today about one of our core values, but I want to talk to you about it in the context of how Jesus unpacks it. Um, many of you are familiar with the concept or the phrase serving. And one of the core values we have in this house is that we are saved to serve. Everybody say that with me. Save to serve. One more time. Save to serve. Now, some of you theologically might find um, something wrong with that. It's not a comprehensive theological statement. It is a simple statement. But we are not solely saved just to serve. We are saved because God loved us. And it's out of that love that he has towards us that we desire to reflect him more. And therefore, we serve. Somebody say amen. I um, want to begin in Matthew. Um, Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 through 28, Jesus is having a dialogue with a parent who wants her kids to be the greatest. And um, let me ask you this question. If I were to come up to you and say, how many of you want to be great? Um, how many of you would say, I want to be great? Whether it's in my profession, whether it's in being a spouse, a father, a mother, whatever it may be, I want to be great. And, and um, this is the question that is posed to Jesus. And they are seeking a position of greatness. The mother is, on behalf of her sons, seeking a position of greatness for them. And Jesus is trying to tell her that you don't understand what you're asking. You're asking for a position, but not only do you not understand what you're asking? The way in which you're going about it does not operate in my kingdom that way. My kingdom operates in an upside down way. Listen to his response. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. There is this difficulty in trying to grasp sometimes what Jesus, sometimes conversations in, in the word of God be, seem to be very surfacy. A mother seeking the position of authority for her children. And Jesus presents to her this paradoxical kingdom of like, well, this is how you see it, but this is the kingdom that I operate in. If you want to be first, you must serve. In the same way that I did not come to be served, but to serve. It calls us to question why. Why did he do that? 
I think it's found in Romans. When it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrated his own love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I believe serving is nothing more than a byproduct of love. It's a byproduct of love. Now, we can argue because there's this tension in society. There's a tension, a real tension that exists. And if you look at your schedule, and just like we talked about last week with Joe Sangle in the areas of our finances, that the Word of God calls us to give our best and our first to God. But the same principle follows suit not only in the area of finance, but in the area of serving. Now, some of us, not some of us, all of us have this natural inclination that fights against what God calls us to because God calls us into a realm, into a kingdom, into his kingdom that is completely different from ours. And even though we may be aware of his kingdom, we still sense and deal with on a daily basis this natural tendency to just think about ourselves, to operate in this kingdom of selfishness. But Christ came to flip it upside down. And this is where tension begins to build and mount in the people of God. We almost fight back against the things that God calls us to. Even though we may know deep down that God is for us, when God calls us to move, we have this reservation to move because, because God, I'm, I'm, I'm advancing my career. I'm, I'm trying to, to build this and I'm trying to build that. And that's usually the way that society says should be first and foremost, that we advance and we build our career and our job and everything else. And then after that, man, if you work hard, you got to play hard. And then so that we got to make sure that we leave time for entertainment entertainment and friends and vacations and all of those things. And then under that, society usually says that you should invest in real relationships and you also should give attention to your children and your spouse. But can I tell you, even though society would often say that they should be third, they're often neglected. Those important relationships. And then usually last would be whatever you have left over begins to be looked at and says, maybe I could give some time and gifts and talents to God. And God doesn't ask that. In the same way that I believe we can bring our first and our best in the area of finance to God, I believe we can bring our first and our best in the area of time and serving. Somebody say amen. Do you know that this fight, this spiritual fight, is not far from under the surface of our everyday reality? Because the moment I said serving to you, some of you quickly evaluated your life immediately. You didn't wait for me to go through a lengthy explanation about what is serving and what it is not. You began to evaluate your life immediately. Where do you serve? And isn't it interesting how we immediately begin to justify our own behaviors? No one's, can, no one's claimed you as guilty, but we begin to already see ourselves that way. And we start to say, man, I, I, I could do more. I could do this. Can I just pause for a moment? It's not about you doing more. It's about you understanding what you are doing and why you're doing it. I, I know some of you know this about me, but I'll just, I'll let you know, like, I talk to myself a lot. <laughs> like, if you pass me in the car, like, I'll lie and say I was on Bluetooth, but I wasn't. I was just talking to myself. Um, and I don't know if you do this. Maybe, maybe, maybe you do. Um, Maybe there's a medication for it. I don't know, but I love it. And I, I, I almost act like there's a third person in the car with me kind of interviewing me and asking me questions. And I love it. I love it. And this is why, because I, I, I believe that when I proposed to my wife, 
um, I was raised in church and I thought I understood everything and I thought I understood all the questions to be asked and we went out with our marriage counselors at the time and during through our process that we have here which is brilliant and and I was sitting next to my bride the one that I loved and and holding her hand and I started to be asked questions I never thought of and you know when someone asks you a question that you don't have the planned answer for <laughs> you just start to get you feel your, yourself just getting red and you're like oh god I never thought of that <laughs> you know why did you choose him? Why did you choose her? What was it about them? Why is it a yes to them and no to everyone else on the planet? <laughs> Maybe I'm not ready. <laughs> Do you know, I've come to find that most of us ignore the simple questions. And we ignore them because I think deep down we know where they might lead. But when you choose not to answer them, you will live a life that reflects that. When you choose to answer simple questions, simple questions as to what am I part of? Someone asked me recently, they said, hey, there's, there's like a lot of people that go to that, to, to True North. And um, I said, yeah, we, we have a, a good family, but I believe God is gonna grow the family significantly and I believe we're just getting started. And see, they see the numbers of it. They see the size, but I, I, I see a heavenly father that so desperately loves humanity that desires to reach people who are so far, some who are very close, but yet still so far with the love that he has towards them. And so when serving comes into the conversation, many of us evaluate our schedule and we automatically, we, we, we say, well, my schedule doesn't permit it, I can't do it. And again, as we go back to this beginning of the conversation about serving, serving is a byproduct of an overflow of love. Now, don't, don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. Some of us, you've connected the dots and you're saying, oh, because I don't serve, I don't love God. Do you know there is this, there is this, tension there's this tension because I don't just do things to do them and some of us we serve but we've never asked the question why do I serve it's not a simple action that I perform it's actually who I am in Christ and how I see myself in light of the God of to, to whom I serve and it's the way that I see God. And because I see God that way and, and I know his love towards me, it is a byproduct, not in a way to earn his love, but because I've already received it and I know he freely gives it. Once I receive his love, it is a byproduct and an overflow saying, God, I'm going to serve people. And it's peculiar because it runs contrary to the natural tendencies that I have not to serve other people around me, but to serve myself. People usually say things like this in church environments. They say, well, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Just the way it is. I'm grateful to tell you that's not the way it is here at True North Church. And my prayer is that 100% of the people who are planted in the house and call True North Church their home serve in the house of God. In the same way, no. Because I believe God is continually doing new things in the house. 
And I believe we're stepping into a new season that vocations will be able to gather together within this house that have never, that have never done it before and be able to kind of overflow the serving that is produced in the house into your area of vocation, whether you're a doctor, a teacher, a construction worker, whatever it may be, that I believe God's going to do something significant in you and through you in the area of your marketplace. But it begins by understanding this context. Why do I serve? Why do I serve? This question's a dangerous one. Because <laughs> some of us, we can find root in it that, that, that leads us back to a place of guilt. Because we're ashamed of what we've done. We're ashamed of the choices we've made and the things that we've done. And we almost see God as somewhat distant, who is critical of us, who constantly is looking down upon us saying, no, you screwed up again. You failed again. I told you nothing that a screw up. So everything we do in the house of God is kind of this desire to earn his love towards us. But his love is freely given. Beyond this time conversation, there's something of the skills and talents that exist in this house right now. And when I look out and I see all the people across, you know, the Collingswood and the Mantua campus and the thousands of people that gather over the weekend and all the people that are coming to youth and all the families that gather, I see an incredible amount of skills and talents and uniquenesses and giftings. Like people used to tell me, I see a lot of people that are special here in church. I see a lot of unique giftedness in this church and God wants to use it in a peculiar way. And usually in a way that you cannot see yet. Let me unpack it. I never chose or had dreams or desires or aspirations to stand on this platform before you. Like I didn't, I didn't go running to my parents and be like, oh, I know what I want to do. It's kind of almost like the more I was obedient to God, the clearer things became. But they didn't become clearer by me just sitting there. They became clearer as I began to be more obedient to God. And as I walk in obedience, it was almost as if God would slowly allow me to see things differently. And it was as if it was brand new. I would come into church some weeks just serving and being obedient to God, even though it wasn't something I naturally wanted to do or I naturally wouldn't do. And I would be obedient because of who I am in Christ. And as I'm obedient to God and as I'm serving other people, I began to see things differently. And I began to see myself differently. And I began to just follow the leadings of God. And I began to just say, and felt God say, go this direction. And so I would go. And before long, I realized that I was in Bible college for a year and a half. And I had myself convinced I would not be in ministry. <laughs> Some of you don't know this. This is a true story. I had myself convinced that I was only there to deal with my own issues and my own relationship with God. And because I was struggling my walk with God and it was there for me. And then I realized that I got to that place just because I was just being obedient to the voice of God. And I'm grateful that I didn't look up in the distance of where God was taking me because I probably would have run, but I just said, I'm just going to do one step at a time. Just one step at a time. And can I tell you, the step to go to seminary seemed like a mountain for me. 
it seemed impossible for me. And like many of you, I began to argue with God and tell him why I was not equipped to do it. And I started this conversation with the Lord saying like, well, you, come on. Um, there are people that have, um, you know, better giftings than I do. People who have a better background than I do. People who aren't as OCD and ADD as I am. People who have other, probably, and, and I think it was like the night after I began to read about how Moses started to tell God about how God had picked the wrong person. And essentially, to make a long story short, God began to rebuke him. And says, I don't make a mistake on whom I've called and whom I've chosen. And some of you, God's calling you and God's chosen you for a role that you can't figure out how you'll get there. And that's not the point. Because we don't serve God in order to arrive at a destination. We serve God to better know his son, Jesus Christ. And as we step by faith, we begin to see him more clearly. Do you know, as God unveils our skills and our talents in the house, do you know, people say this to me a lot. I don't know where to serve. I don't know what to do. I show up. I love what God's doing. It's fantastic. And, but I'm gifted here and I'm gifted here. Do you know that you just need to begin to move? And it's in the movement that God begins to allow you to make, make space for the area of your gifting. But you have to move. God will, will make a way for you, but he won't make you move your feet. And I think in the area of serving, many of us look at it, and because we can't figure it out up here, we don't do it. There is this teaching I do with the staff. And I said, you know, guys, listen, I've been involved in sport. How many of you have been involved in sport for a long time? Been in law? Some of you. There's like three of you. Thanks, guys. And, um, and so there's a few things you need to know about leading people. Let me ask you this. How many of you lead people, whether children at a job in, any, in anything? Put your hands up that way. Okay, that's better. Um, how many of you know by the authority that you have, you can make people do things? Like you will take that trash out. You will do that report. You will make sure that this is done this way. You will have a conversation with so-and-so. You will do it. And can, how many of you know that you can, you can get the task done, you can have the hands in motion, but the heart is far from it? The greatest leaders get the heart before they get the hands. And if you can get the heart before you get the hands, you get the whole being. And that person can lead tons of people in a way of influence. And the influence of people who serve from the heart before they serve from the hands actually creates this spirit in the house that is overwhelming to people when they sense it. And so when people come here, they say, oh, it's so cool. I see all this stuff. It's not the action alone. It's the heart that proceeds before the hands. And so if you solely just serve because you're like, well, I don't know what else to do. I just like to serve. Well, you need to come back to the questions. Talk to yourself like your pastor does and ask yourself, say, why do I do what I do? When I had this conversation, they said a lot of people come. I ask myself like I'm being interviewed. Why do you go to charge? Jesse, what are you a part of? Part of a spiritual family. A peculiar people. A chosen people a called people, a redeemed people, a justified people. 
people who will be appointed, people who will be about the Father's work. And I ask myself questions, well, why do you do what you do? Why do you give and why do you serve and why do you love? I mean, you have to know why you do it. You have to drill down into those questions and ask those questions to yourself because no one else can answer them for you. No one else can, can tell you why they do what they do. You need to know why do you do what you do. It's all about the relationship with the Lord. The Apostle Paul says it in an interesting way. In Romans, he talks about the giftings that are prominent amongst the people of God. But he doesn't just talk about the giftings. He talks about how they operate within the body of Christ. And his explanation focuses in on the talents and the skills within the house. Because let's say you work out the area of time and you're like, okay, I'll figure this out. I'm going to put God first, just like my finances, and I'm going to be in his house and everything's going to be good and I'm just going to serve. And we often ask the question, well, where do I serve? What are my gifts? What are my talents? And this is what we do. We make a determination as to whether or not we'll step by if there is room for me with my gift and talent. It's backwards. God doesn't operate that way. God wants you to see you step before you evaluate. Listen, it's all about this movement process. But listen to what Paul, listen to what Paul says in, in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. He says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. How many of you know we're gifted differently? Somebody say amen. We're gifted differently, but this is what he says. Listen to this phrase right here. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Did you see that? Did you catch it? Each member belongs, everybody say belongs, to all the other. That gifting next to you, in front of you, behind you, the people around us, it belongs to the house of God. And it's in us bringing our gifts to the house of God that God does something significant with them. Do you know, um, I often wonder if I serve God or... I expect God to serve me. Have you ever kind of finished praying before God and then asked yourself, wow, that prayer was a little bit interesting. <laughs> I almost finished my prayer and realized I just told God what I want him to do in every area of my life. <laughs> God, I want you to do this. And the Bible does said, say, make your petitions known unto him to let him know the desires of your heart. But I don't think God is interested in talking to a people who refuse to move. And many of us come into the house of God and we tell God what we want him to move, but he's not interested in hearing what you want moved. He's interested in you moving. God goes before us, but he will not go for us. Listen, listen, listen to me. Um, the issue of serving fights against flesh. 
It fights against everything that is convenient and fights against everything that you naturally want to. We make excuses as to why I can't serve, why I shouldn't serve, why other people need to serve because I've been in church long enough and I've put my time in and I've done all these things. Can I tell you something? It is the very byproduct of who we are as a people. And it begins in our own homes and how we serve one another. Do you know of all the things written in the text? Christ says that we will be known unto men by the way we love one another. Isn't that interesting? Not by how much scripture you know, not by how long you've been in church, not by how good you can sing, not by all the other giftednesses that you have. The way that you will be known to other people is the way that you love one another. Some of us are like, well, it doesn't seem significant, but it is the very reason by which Christ came. Not to be served, but to serve other people. And I know there's questions circulating in your head. You're like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? It's the simple thing of taking that first step of movement, a faith movement. How many of you know one of our core values is made to move? made to move. This, uh, this idea of movement is not a random idea. It is not just like, well, just sign up for this and just sign up for that and just do this and to do that. Then you turn into this personality, this A-type personality. It's like, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. Now what? It's not about a destination to arrive to. It's about, it's about knowing a person. The person is Jesus Christ. And Jesus begins to, to, to navigate you in this journey with him. But this is how it often looks. It's one step at a time. Can I tell you this? The very thing that you don't want to do should be the first thing you consider doing. The very thing you don't want to do should be the first thing you consider doing. For many of us, we've had in our mind, maybe I should serve. And you do everything you can to get that idea out of your head so you can enjoy the rest of the sermon. But you got you to answer the question, why do I not serve? Can I tell you something? Do you know why the devil does not want you to be in obedience with God's word? Because it's in and through the obedience that you see God more clearly. And your purpose more. You're on track more. You can see your future more. Listen, many of you are arguing with God about where you are, but yet you have not moved. God, I can't believe I'm still here. God, I can't believe I'm still stuck in this spot. It's because you've chosen to stay there. God operates by faith. You know what faith looks like? Let me help you. The faith step is this. I will step into the Jordan before anything parts. And then when I step, it'll part. I'm going to walk into the Red Sea, and before it begins to part, I'm going to believe that it will. That's, this is, I'm going to walk around Jericho seven times before any wall starts to fall. Like, this is the God we serve. we serve. It is a faith God. It is impossible to please God without it. So can I tell you what that means? Your tendencies will always be to go to the areas of least resistance, the easy things. Do you know why? Because you look at every wall, at every sea, at every river, at every mountain, and you tell God why, why it cannot be done. God's not asking you to, do, to move the mountain. He's not asking you to part the sea. He's not asking you to make the walls fall. He's just asking you to walk, just to take the steps in obedience, just to take the step of faith and say, God, I believe that you will part the sea. God, I believe that you will make the mountains fall, I, I, the walls fall, and you'll move the mountains. God, I believe you'll do it on my behalf, and it's a matter of stepping out. And some are like, oh, that's a good preach, but I don't want to. <laughs> this is the goodness of our God. 
This is why we are described as followers of the way. We are not forced to follow Jesus. But the danger is in thinking that you're following him. But you're really not. You're following your own desires. You're following whatever comes easy to you. You're only doing the things that seem to make it, that sit well with you. Can I tell you something? It is the very things that seem to frighten us that God wants us to step into. It's the very things that cause us to almost get overwhelmed and say, oh God, not me. And God wants you to say, no, 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 with me. Not alone, with me. Step into it by faith. Step into it by faith. Because when you step into it by faith, God begins to show himself to you. Listen, faith without works is dead. God's not interested in you having all this faith and never moving. God's not interested in you moving without faith. They need to work together. They need to work together. And so if you're just doing work for God, but there's no faith in it, then man, God won't show up. And if there's people here that have faith, but there's no works behind it, there's no evidence of your confidence and your trust in God, it's this thing of saying, God, I believe that you will show up when I step out. And so God, I'm just going to step out. Man, church folk, we are so good at at sounding right before God. God, I'm going to wait on you. I'm just waiting for my season. God, as soon as you tell me to move, I'm going to move. I'm just getting clarity from God. I'm in one of those seasons right now. I'm trying to just hear the voice of God. This is a new day, and God's opening up new pastures. I'm just waiting to see what pasture he's going to lead me into. Can I tell you something? It's all crap. Because my Bible says that when we serve the Lord, it's in this stance of readiness. It's in a stance. It doesn't matter what season, whether it's a season of mourning or a season of rejoicing. I can still serve the Lord. I can still be about the businesses of God and the works of God. Amen? Come on, give God some praise. I've watched people. I've watched people week in and week out. Some of you may never have known this man, Greg, in our church. He was one of the founding five families that started True North Church. He was a VP of a, of a high-level organization, a global organization. And every Sunday, whether he was traveling around the world to China or to Tokyo or to Australia or to Europe, wherever he was traveling, he would be back in church on Sunday morning, standing at the doors greeting every Sunday. No place I'd rather be than in the courts of our God. And he'd be in the back and he'd be serving. And all of a sudden he began to battle cancer. And he went through ups and downs and seasons. And man, I wish you could have met this guy because this was a guy who understood what value, what was of significance. And weeks would come in and man, he would bust jokes with me every week and he was fighting for his life, fighting for his life. And he would be serving. Fighting for his life and he'd be serving. Can I tell you what that did to me? Fighting for his life. For his life. And he's serving in the house. Wouldn't, would it quit? Would it quit? He'd be serving in the house of God. And so when people come to me and say, man, I just don't know if I have time. I'm thinking in my head of someone like Greg who flew around the world and operated a company of hundreds of thousands of employees as a vice president of a global international company and would fly around the world and had a family and had a wife and beautiful family and he would always be putting them first and all these things. But God got his best and his first. 
Not only in the area of finances, but in the area of serving in his heart, in his serving other people. And when I watched that, it was as if God was just showing me this life of what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12, that our life, our life, not the person in front of you, not just me, not just the real religious person, but those who are followers of Christ. This is what our lives should look like. It should be a living sacrifice. And I know that won't get any likes on Facebook or Instagram. I know it because it's like a living sacrifice. What is it? What does it look like? It's a life that knows that I've received this gift from God. This promise, this eternal promise from God. Can I tell you, I know that I know that I know that Greg is not disappointed by what he sowed into this place. He's not disappointed by the eternal things that he's spoken into people's lives. He's not discouraged by it because I believe that all of us is when we get on the other side of eternity, the only things that will matter were the things that were spoken into eternity or the eternal things. And I know some of us, we get so consumed with our own lives. Well, I got to fix this. Well, I got to do this. Well, I have to fix that. Man, my prayer for you would be for you to understand the love that God has towards you. In the busyness of your schedules, in the busyness of your life, in the distractions of your life, my prayer is that you would be able to see Jesus more clearly. My prayer for this family, for this True North family, for our True North family, is that every single time we gather, that you would see Jesus more clearly. Not that you would be impacted by who leads worship or who preaches, but that you would see Jesus through these vessels that are on the stage more clearly because I know something I know this with all my heart that when you see Jesus more clearly you'll reflect him more clearly and you won't need to talk your way out of it you won't need to talk your way out of it when you see Jesus more clearly you say no that's what I want to that's what I want to reflect that's it why do I serve why do I love because I will I've been loved why do I why do I give because he first gave why do I serve because he served why do I love people because he loved me it's this byproduct of this relationship. Some of us are so familiar with religion and religion does not produce this. Religion produces guilt. Religion produces this idea of I just want to do things enough so that God doesn't hate me and that God's not angry with me and that God's not frustrated with me. Man, there's so much more to serving Jesus. There's so much more to serving Jesus. And some of you who have been in this place for over a year and you call True North Church your home church, can I challenge you as your pastor who loves you, take a faith step. There's so much talent in this house. So much talent. And I know what you do. You, you, you look on stage, and maybe you're a musician, maybe you're a singer, I don't know, but you're like, oh, no, 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 they're good. Who's good? This is not an idea of foregoing your gifting because there's others present. We serve because it is who we are, not what we do. And can I just release some of you and to just begin to operate in who you are? Begin to operate in who you are and see yourself the way that God sees you. There's so much skill and so much talent in this house. And I just pray that you would take the faith step to trust God. Will where you begin be where you end? Not at all. Some of you aren't part of a regroup. Who knows? In a year's time, in two years' time, you could oversee 50 regroups in the life of the church. I don't know. There's so much giftedness in this house. And my prayer would be that God will release it by you just taking that faith step. Can you say amen? Come on, close your eyes. Bow your head. I want to pray for you. Father, we love you. We're grateful for you.
And Father, I pray right now that all of us would be able to have the confidence in knowing that you're for us and not against us, to know that there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Father, not a word to discourage people. God, not a word to, to, to force people. God, I know that manipulation and guilt and the drive-by guildings, they don't sustain things. They produce a behavior only for it to die. But God, may something be birthed in the hearts of your people today. May they, may they find the strength and the confidence to ask you those questions. Why do I do what I do? Why do I believe in Jesus? Why do I serve? Why am I in church week in and week out? Why do I do this? And I believe God in seeking after the truth that will find it. And when we find it, we'll truly be free. And Father, may we operate in this freedom and in this love to serve other people. God, I pray that you begin to release the giftings and the anointings that you've placed in this house. Father, that leaders would rise up and step into the vocations and the callings that they're supposed to step into. Father, that the releasing of leaders in this house will enable us to reach tens of thousands of people within this community. Father, do what only you can do. May we take the steps of faith, Father, just believing that you'll do something supernatural in our midst. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for watching. I pray that that message was a blessing to you. And I pray it's encouraged you um, wherever you find yourself in your journey of life. We never like to end any one of our services without giving you um, the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was raised to life, that you will be saved. And salvation is a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't work towards it. It can only be received. It's this incredible grace that comes only from God. So. The Bible says that right where you are in your season, not trying to fix anything else, not trying to get yourself better, not waiting or putting off salvation, but today to make the decision to say yes to Jesus, that you know you can't save you, that you need Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says it only requires you to say a simple prayer. So repeat after me, just say this prayer. Say, dear, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again. Come into my life and make me new. I'm now a Christian. Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you just said that prayer, we believe that your eternity is secure in Christ. One of the things that I wanna encourage you to do, your next step, if you would, um, is to tell somebody. Whether you're telling us through the website and contacting us and informing us or telling someone else at a local church that maybe you visited, the second thing I want to encourage you to do is to be planted in a healthy Bible-based church, whether it's True North Church or another church close to you. Find a church community to do life with. Man, we're so excited for you. Make sure that you get a Bible. If you don't have one, please reach out to us. We'd love to bless you with the Bible and encourage you on your journey with Jesus. I'm excited for you. I truly believe that your best days are still ahead.